The text for the proclamation of the word this morning is verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. We'll read those verses again, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, imagine that you alone knew that tomorrow the Lord Jesus was going to come back. It would be the end of the world. Imagine, who would you want to make things right with before then? Who would you want to talk to before then? Who would you want to change before the Lord's coming tomorrow? Or would you just concentrate on yourself? Maybe on your, yourself and a, two or three others around you or so, or your own family, and not pay attention to the others. Let them sink or swim. Congregation, we live in a time of individualism when the general idea seems to be each to his own. Everybody has to figure out for themselves how to live his or her life and we're not going to get involved with their choices. In fact, if you do say something, you'll get a blast. Mind your own business. I have the right to make my own choices in life, don't I? The Bible speaks differently, though. And that's what our text for this morning shows. We're responsible for those who share the pews with us here. We're responsible for each other especially and specifically responsible for each other's eternal well-being as we see the day approaching. Called to pay attention to one another in church. And with that in mind, I preach to you the text with this theme, pay attention to one another. We see three things in connection with that in the text. First, the motive, and secondly, the goal, and finally, the means of paying attention to one another. First, the motive to pay attention to one another. The main words in our text are, let us consider one another. Consider one another. You could translate here, pay attention to one another. That would more accurately reflect the original Greek here because there's a strong term used here in the original language can even mean something like spy on each other, snoop on one another. So am I proposing that we snoop on each other here in church? Brothers and sisters, that obviously is not the case. It sounds way too negative, watching each other for negative purpose. Have to admit, though, that does happen in church, doesn't it? Watching each other for negative purpose, to feed gossip, or to see other people's mistakes to feel better about yourself. You should see what he or she is doing. I think we all know, too, we all know about the gossiping and the snickering that sometimes can go on. But if the Spirit didn't intend that kind of paying attention in our text, 
in a negative way like that. Why did he use such a strong term here? Well, he wants to make very clear that as fellow church members, we pay careful and close attention to one another in a positive way for positive purpose. Pay close attention to each other. Don't let the other escape your attention and sort of disappear from your view. Don't forget about him or her then. Make sure you're not so busy with yourself and your own little circle of family or friends that you don't pay attention to, to others. Show sincere interest for each other. How did it, how did it go when you arrived at church here this morning? Did you notice and greet other church members? Was there friendly acknowledgement of each other's presence here? You know, it's sometimes a little things, nod of acknowledgement or just a, a smile to someone, which makes the worship service more attractive, right? The question, though, is why should I pay so much attention to the other members here? The writer of the letter to the Hebrews is not just giving some nice advice. No, this, this is a command in the text. And this command is placed in the context of what he wrote about Christ's work as our high priest in heaven before, before God in the first half of chapter 10. We didn't read that part, but you can read that on your own. It's all about Christ being the high priest of the new covenant. In the first part of this chapter, the richness of the new covenant is shown over against the poverty of the old covenant. In the old covenant, everything could only point to the fact that the real payment for sins had not, had, was going to be made, but hadn't been made yet. The priests had to keep making annual animal sacrifices, and the veil hung there in the temple and the tabernacle to prevent people from going to God themselves. The people were not allowed to go through that veil or curtain to God. Only the high priest was allowed through. And then only once a year. And then carrying bulls of blood for the atonement for his own sins and the sins of the people. Well, that's completely different now in the new covenant. What those sinful high priests could not accomplish, Jesus Christ accomplished as our high priest. He brought the perfect and complete sacrifice for sins. He offered himself on the cross, made a complete atonement for our sins once and for all. And after he had made that sacrifice, he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, into God's throne room. And so he opened the way for us to go there too, into God's throne room. We as new covenant people of God may have the boldness to approach God, to come near to God, to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, as it says, verse 19. We can enter that place where God is by the new and living way which Christ opened for us through the veil that is his flesh. You see, in Christ, through faith in Christ, we then have the right to go to God to approach him. The way is open for us into his throne room. We have a great high priest in heaven 
who has reconciled us to God, we can draw near to Him without being consumed by His absolute holiness. Because He is a consuming fire in His holiness. So let's hold fast to that confession of our hope. It says in Hebrews 10. So, back to the question, why do we need to pay attention to each other? Well, because of that glorious confession that Jesus Christ has opened the way for all of us to, to God. We have this great high priest over the house of God. Notice those last words, Jesus Christ, high priest over the house of God. The house of God, the church. If you see Jesus Christ, you see the church he gave himself for. It says Acts 20, verse 28, he purchased the church of God with his blood. Jesus Christ isn't high priest for some individuals here and there and all over the place. No, he's high priest over the house of God, the whole church. And you belong to that church here, along with many others here. We're all richly blessed in Christ together here. We have heart for one another because Christ has heart for us together. He has declared his love for all of us, even sealed it in our baptism. Because Christ loves us, we love one another. Brothers and sisters, young people, is this how you look at each other here too then as you sit in church? Right now? All these people loved by Christ? All people for whom he as high priest sacrificed himself once and for all and has opened the way to God? I'm afraid that all too often we've, we look at each other not at that level but at a, 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 real, a really different level, a much lower level, right? We're so inclined to look at one another without the, at the same time looking to Christ. And you know, that's when things go wrong then others, other people easily irritate us. We look at them at that lower level. They irritate us. We can easily end up becoming prejudiced against others because of their flaws. I'll never have anything to do with him anymore or with her. Brothers and sisters, only if we focus on Jesus Christ, our common high priest, over the house of God, will, will we also be able to do justice to the communion of saints you see that Christ gave himself for a bunch of weak and sinful people of whom you're also one. You have the same high priest. And therefore, we can all draw near to God. And not because we're such good and pious people in ourselves, but only because of that one sacrifice of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Because our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. In other words, because we're all baptized into Christ. We're all His by promise. So we all together focus on Him. And He is the motive for our relationship with one another. And we see one another correctly, not as individual this or individual that. No, all together on the way to the great day that's mentioned in the text at the end of the text. The great day when Christ returns on the way to being with God through him. 
So that's why the text tells us to pay attention to one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we're like in the Old Testament, hey, watchers on the wall. Watchers on the wall looking for the dawn of the coming of the new day. And we actually see the light already, right? The light approaching. We see the Lord Jesus coming. How do we see that? In, in the gospel being proclaimed to all nations on earth. Also in that the love for God and the neighbor is growing cold in the world and, and in wars and earthquakes and disasters. Those are all mentioned in the Bible as signs that the end of the times is coming. Somebody's called those things the, the sounds of Christ's approaching footsteps. He's on the way. And therefore, we all the more need to pay attention to each other. Imagine that one of your fellow travelers here would fall behind, miss the glorious goal of the common journey. Imagine that one or more of us would get caught in the grip of Satan who wants nothing more than to draw those who belong to Christ away from him again, who's getting more dangerous as he sees the end approaching too. He sees it. Can we just leave our fellow believers, our fellow travelers over to their fate then? May we let any of them become lost or destroyed now that the dangers are increasing as the day approaches? No, heart for Christ. Congregation means heart for our brothers and sisters in Christ. From our, no, from our brother in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who so cared for us that he gave himself for us, we care about one another. We pay attention to one another. We know ourselves, our brother and sister's keeper. So we've considered the motive then for paying attention to one another. Consider now the, the goal of paying attention to one another. Brothers and sisters, paying attention to one another according to the text is not a matter, as we mentioned, of negative curiosity or meddling in other people's affairs. No, we're told that it has a very positive a purpose, goal, to stir up love and good works, it says. Later in the text, the word exhorting is also used. A word can mean encouraging, comforting. It's about paying attention for positive purpose. Paying attention in order to stimulate, encourage, admonish each other to love and good deeds. Come on, let's get on with this journey. Come on. Come along. You see, in the church, there should be love and good works in abundance too then. As the day approaches, without those two, the, the church wouldn't be church anymore. The church would be a dying concern. There wouldn't be any heart in it. And that's why we have to stir up one another to love and good works. That's the existence of the church. Love for God and for the neighbor should bring to action also in good deeds. It's a matter of heart set on Christ and his church, which express ourselves in a life of thankfulness which should be the, the light that we shine. We need to pay attention to one another when it comes to love rooted in Christ because it can so easily grow cold. And then good works eventually will disappear too. That can happen due to the worries which we deal with in life or because of the heavy burdens we have to bear or because of loneliness or other things we carry deep in our hearts. So many things can cause love and good deeds to dwindle away. Too busy to, to concern yourself with others. Too busy for yourself. 
Hence the command in our text to stir up one another to love and good works. Because where love grows cold, the church member is in danger of losing his or her grip on Christ. And losing the way to God who is love. Congregation in order to stir up one another in a positive way. Each in his or her own circumstances, we first of all need to pay attention to one another. Pay attention to one another. Not a, in a fleeting or disinterested way. Sincerely, with open eyes and open ears. Look after one another. It's hard to look and listen carefully. We so easily look and talk right by one another. The first requirement for a good edifying conversation is to pay attention to the other person, to their, their interests, their cares, their concerns, their joys, their, their worries. And the aim is then not to ply the other person with the things that only you find interesting or that only concern you. No, paying attention is showing interest for the brother or sister in the Lord so that you learn what kind of encouragement or what kind of help or what words they need so that you can give that with love and empathy. Brothers and sisters, it's so good to treat one another positively like that in church, to pay attention to one another in a positive way. So good to truly be open to each other, have a listening ear for one another. And so good to stir up one another to love and good works then. The more that takes place, the more congregational life will blossom too. People will feel safe with each other. And, and the more God will also rejoice in the fruits of the Spirit which show in that. Let's pay attention to one another. So we know how to stir up one another more and more to love and good works. So, congregation, we touched on the motive for and the, the goal of paying attention to one another. One more point yet, the means for that. The Holy Spirit has church attendance in mind when he says in the text, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some or the habit of some. See, apparently some church members were making it a habit to skip the worship services of the congregation. In fact, there's emphasis in the original language on the fact that they were forsaking their own assembly. You could translate, not forsaking their own assembly. So this could also include people who are attending worship services in churches to which they didn't belong. Church shoppers, we could say. Church members who make it a habit to attend worship in churches of which they're not members for whatever reason. Why does the Spirit speak negatively about that? What's wrong with attending worship in another church, even a sister church? Why the emphasis on attending the church of which you're a member, your own assembly? Well, that's because the Lord wants to make each local church a harmonious unity a body in which all the members work together as one, where all the members are geared to one another. You see, if I make it a habit to worship elsewhere or to stay home instead of taking part in worship, then I apparently don't fully accept that the Lord has placed me here 
in this church, among these brothers and sisters, and that I'm responsible to them and they to me. See, the Spirit binds us together in love as members of one body, members who are all important to the functioning of the body, all needed for the body to operate properly. That's how the Apostle Paul describes the church. 1 Corinthians 12. It's a body. All the parts have to work together to make a body work. So the church. The one member can't say to the others, I don't need you, or you don't need me. All are required as members of the body to function properly. God has put them all together. And so, knowing that, I can't just make it a habit to opt out of worship of the congregation to which I belong, can I? The worship services, the word and sacraments are the high point of my union and communion with my brothers and sisters in the congregation. Worship is the main means to share with one another the treasures and gifts that Christ has bestowed on the congregation. The main means to pay attention to one another. So when your place in the pew here is empty, often without pressing, or without pressing reason, you not only slight God who calls you here, but also the brothers and sisters who are members of this same body. You, in fact, are sending God the message you don't need the people he gave you as brothers and sisters in the same body. And you communicate to those brothers and sisters that you don't need them either. You don't really need them. Maybe you don't even want them. See, congregation, the, the church is not a store where we can shop for what we ourselves want to, or to, where we can get what we think we need for ourselves. If that was the case, then sure, we'd encourage everybody to shop around to see what they can get here and there as, as long as the price is right and the product good. Sadly, a lot of people today treat church and worship like that. They flock to churches that serve their personal wishes. They go to where they can hear the most motivating preacher, or where the music is most uplifting for them, or where the people are the, the friendliest, or where there are the neatest programs for the kids. My brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we don't go to church to get something for ourselves in the first place, do we? To have our personal desires fulfilled. We attend the assembly of God's people here in the first place to give ourselves. To give ourselves to God. To honor Him in the first place. To give him honor with praises and gifts and submit to him, to his word, our creator and redeemer. And then also to give ourselves to each other. To give ourselves to each other. Because he has placed us with brothers and sisters who are part of the same body with us. And he wants us to show them our love in Christ, by being in worship with them, by sharing the one faith, confessing that faith, one spirit, one baptism with them, as well as sharing with those in need here with the collection. When you see the collection bag go by, this is not just an opportunity to give a bit of money. This is an opportunity to 
show unity and love. So you understand, I hope, that the worship services are the main means for mutual encouragement. The worship services are the main means not only for being stirred up to love and good works ourselves, but also for stirring others around us to love and good works. When you skip worship without pressing reason in your own congregation, then you not only deprive yourself of the encouragement you need, but also deprive the others, your brothers and sisters in the Lord here, of the encouragement they need from you. You discourage others if your place is empty. If your place in the, in the pew is unnecessarily vacant on a regular basis when the brothers and sisters assemble for worship, you're conveying the message. You're not interested in them. You don't need them. You don't want to share with them. Maybe ultimately you don't even want them. Now you might still wonder yet if the worship services are the best means for paying attention to one another to stir up to love and good works. How do you do that in the worship services? Well, already just seeing each other here, worshiping the Lord together, don't underestimate the meaning of that. Imagine if there were half the people here today and the other half just didn't come. How encouraging would that be? Or discouraging, I guess. The fact that you come together and see each other as fellow pilgrims on the way to the kingdom of God, as brothers and sisters who are all in the same fight of the faith, that's a, a stimulating and encouraging thing. It stirs up to love and good works. You're encouraged. You're not alone. You're surrounded in worship by fellow pilgrims traveling the same rough road, fellow soldiers fighting the same battle of faith. What an encouragement and reinforcement for you. And you can think of the, the preaching geared to the congregation as a whole. Nowhere else do you see how wonderfully Christ has opened the way to God and for his people, including you, then under the preaching of the gospel in the local congregation. Here, the wide extent of his grace for you is heard from the word and seen in the sacraments. And what about the prayers on behalf of the whole congregation? And don't forget the lifting up of the voices together in song, songs, songs from the word, which express thanks and praise and repentance and lament before God, which somebody has compared to battle so songs of soldiers marching into battle, encouraging each other. There's tremendous power in congregational singing. It also brings our sworn enemies to retreat from us. The boys and girls sing. Satan falls back. And you see then in worship all kinds of ways and means to help one another. Stir up one another to love for God and each other and, and to good works before God. Congregation, if you understand something of all this, you're also going to realize how important it is to be in worship every time the congregation is called for worship, if at all, at all possible. This is not a tradition. This is a call. So important to be here every Sunday, twice as we have agreed upon as church. 
and also on special feast days celebrating Christ's work of salvation. That's congregational worship. And then you realize how important it is that we call each other to be in worship too. We all need each other. Let's pay attention to one another then. Be diligent ourselves in attending worship. Also for the sake of our children so they, they learn too. This is where you need to be. Let's be diligent in attending worship. And if we see a weakening in the heart of worship, in, for worship in our brothers and sisters, let's not wait till it's too late and we don't see them anymore at all. But let's encourage them to be living members of the body here. Tell them we need them. We need you here. And if they can't be with us due to sickness or so, then go and encourage. Encourage them. Let them know that, that they still belong. We hate to miss them. After all, congregation, we all have rich promises in Christ. And all together, we're on a journey to that great day of the Lord, aren't we? On a journey together. Amen.